0: Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. All right. So glad to have everybody with us this morning, especially we got our kids in here with us. Kids, what time is it? Bible. Bible time. Man, I wish the parents would learn as quick as you kids learn. Y'all need to cheer with me. Bible time. So it's awesome to uh, begin our book study of the book of First and Second Samuel. That's what we'll be studying for the this year, going basically all the way through into the summer. We'll look at 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, which is actually one book originally. We only have it broken up into two because of the length of the material. It took more than one scroll. It couldn't fit on one scroll, so they had to break it. Put it into a second scroll just to keep the material, but that's the only reason why. It's two books. It's really just one book, so we're going to read it and study it all as one book and it covers the idea of I mean the primary character of the book is a man named Samuel and he established the Israel monarchy now at this point I know that a vast large percentage of you just started thinking about your grocery list when I said monarchy you immediately thought what do I have to do this afternoon how does this have anything to do with my life I am bored How many of you? Don't raise your hand. Please don't raise your hand. I don't want to know. But I know that there's a challenge of understanding how in the world is this ancient book of ancient history relevant for my life. And that's what I hope to help you see today. I hope to show you how it's extraordinarily relevant to what we're going through and in our lives. We're going to see that we're in the same situation that they were in. And we got a problem in that situation. And then we're going to see that we have the same solution that they had. And finally, we're going to see that we need the same Savior that they they needed. So those are our three points today. Same situation, same solution, same problem. My desire is that you see that this book of Samuel is absolutely relevant for your lives today. Would you join me in asking the Lord to help us as we study this book? Lord, I pray for your help this morning. We know that your Spirit is what we need. We need your Spirit to help us understand your Bible. We need the Spirit of God to work on our hearts. We need your Spirit to give us ears and self-discipline as children to learn how to sit and listen and benefit from the teaching. And as adults, we need the Spirit of God to give us understanding and, and a heart that is willing to listen and hear and benefit from the teaching. Lord, so please... Would you work in our hearts this morning through your spirit? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, let's look at how we are in the same situation. How in the world can I stand here and say we're in the same situation that they were in way back in the days of First and Second Samuel? Well, Samuel was written. The material covers 100 years, basically, from the time that Israel, the nation, was ruled by characters called Judges. Not like judges like we think, but they were basically their, their leaders. Before there was kings, there was multiple judges. And it was a terrible day because the people were basically just needing unification. They needed to get all together, but they were, as you'll see, they were basically doing everything that was right in their own mind. It was just a lot of ups and downs And you see from that time period, there is a desire for one leader to lead us and unify us and point us in the right direction. And so they demanded a king, and that gets us into the the first king, who was King Saul. And King Saul was chosen, and then you get to the second king, King David, and that gets you to the end of the book. And so that's about a hundred-year time period that's covered in the book. But what I want you to see is the book includes a man named Samuel, but what wasn't written by Samuel, And it wasn't really for the people who lived here in that hundred years. It was for the people who lived after that hundred years. And when we think about those people, we're going to see their situation not that different from our situation. Now, what was their situation? Well, they were a people who had great hopes that... Man, this is going to be good. The king is finally going to happen. We want a king. We're tired of these, these judges that are letting us down and our our country's a mess. And God promised Abraham we're going to be a unified nation and we're going to be a glorious nation. And we're going to rule over all the other nations. And we're going to bring God's blessing and God's glory over all this earth. And they're like, that has not happened. And so all this hope was pinned on their first king. Their first king was King Saul, and they chose King Saul based on what they thought was important about a king. And so all their hopes are pinned on this king, and at first, it looks good. They're all excited as a nation that this is it. God's promise is finally going to be... Oh, no. He's not a very good king. And their hopes were dashed. But God gave them David, King David. And so King David, we'll read about when we get into the book, has great promise. He is God's chosen king, and he's going to do great things for the country. And he unites the country in a a unified kingdom. And, And it's the first time ever that God's people are in God's land, reigned by one king, leading them to follow God. And it's all glorious until it's not anymore. When the kingdom is divided, the kingdom is divided with the Democrats up north and the Republicans down south. Everyone's frustrated that nothing is what they thought it was going to be. The, the king didn't turn out to be the king that they thought they had elected or the president that they thought they had elected. So just like the one before, here's another one that's let us down. And so what ends up happening is, is as the, the leadership fails, the people fail you see God had given Israel prophets priests and kings these are like the three leadership offices of you will we think of it as like we have presidents leading our country well they had prophets and a prophet's job was to be the mouthpiece kind of like what I do they were to speak thus says the Lord here's what God has said and they were supposed to say exactly what God said only what God said Not to mix it up and say, ooh, I'm not sure the people will like this word, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that's a little easier for them to hear, and maybe they won't be offended. That was not what they were supposed to do, but that's exactly what they did. Instead of just speaking the word of God and calling God's people to obey the the unfiltered word of God, they compromised. And then you had priests. The priests were supposed to be holy in their personal lives and were supposed to provide a means for the people as a whole to be holy, to be set apart as dedicated to God who is holy. Holy means sinless. It means to be set apart. And, and yet the people, instead of being holy, the priests, instead of being holy, were corrupt. And they were sinful. They themselves We're we're not living holy lives and calling the people to holiness. And then the king, this is the third office. The king was supposed to be the fearless, bold, courageous leader of God's people to lead them in the right direction. And yet they were weak and fickle. And so you have a massive failure of leadership. And the book of Samuel is written to the people who are sitting on the backside of the failure of the leadership and the people are now like sheep without a shepherd and they are scattered, they're in the ditches, they're disillusioned, they're struggling to have any hope that will ever experience God's promise to Abraham, that will ever be a, a, a people united under God to his glory ever be what we thought and and so they're disillusioned and they're filled with despair and they're divided and they're discouraged and they're depressed and when I say they that represents the people but what is the people other than a collection of individuals and so what this means that you have individuals who are in very dark places and they're disillusioned and they don't know where to turn and they're afraid of the enemies they're hopeless they're depressed they're discouraged and i think we can see that all of us know what that feels like and maybe that's where you are today maybe you're discouraged personally because all that you thought god had plans for your life isn't playing out or maybe you're just so tired of looking at Our society, our culture, our country, our world, what's going on in Afghanistan, our politics, uh, the the mass mandate or non-mandate, or the vaccination or non-vaccination, and and what our governors and city leaders and and all this. And you're just like, "I, I can't take this anymore. Where do I turn? That's the situation they're in. So this book is extremely relevant. We can all connect with where they are. Now, how did they get in such a dark place? The dark place was a result of the failure of leadership, pointing them to the Lord, His Word, His holiness, His direction, leadership. And and they end up in very personal experiences as a result of being encouraged to walk in that array. They make the same fatal choice as their leaders not to follow the, the will of God, not to obey God. And so, very personally, we can connect That we can get in the same situation that's very dark, needing a solution. And that's exactly what we find in our text, is a solution. But what we need, the problem is we need leaders who lead with humility, strength, and courage. Who practice holiness in their personal lives and who are committed to God's word. That's the situation that we find them in. That's the situation we find ourselves. We need families need leaders, who will lead with humility and strength and courage, who will practice holiness in their personal lives, and who are absolutely committed to God's word. S- communities need leaders who will lead with humility, strength, and courage, who will practice holiness in their personal lives and who are committed to God's word. Our country needs leaders who are leading with humility and strength and courage, who practice holiness in their personal lives and who are committed to God's word. We need exactly what they needed. We needed these type of leaders in our country for years and years. We needed in our churches We need it in our families, so we're in the exact same situation they're in, and we need a solution to our dark situation. So we find ourselves needing a solution, and in the text, we're going to find the same solution that they have offered to them. In the book of Samuel, the author uses Samuel to provide lessons in leadership. We're going to see, as we read the book, we're going to see Eli compared to Samuel. Samuel's really going to be compared to exalted above everybody. A better leader than Eli was. A better leader than all the judges leading up to him were. He is an exemplary leader. And then we're going to see King Saul lifted up next to King David. And we're going to see which one is the one that we should be like. And we're going to see King David is the better leader. The leader who is a man after God's own heart. But we are going to also see that he's not perfect. But how do we measure which guy to listen to? Which guy to follow? We're going to see that Samuel and David did one simple thing. They simply obeyed What they read in their Bible. Now, what is the Bible of Daniel? Excuse me, I don't know where that came from. What is the Bible of Samuel and David? That became Daniel. All right, so what is the Bible of Samuel and what is the Bible of David? It was the first five books of our Bible Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. This was their Bible. And where we see that from is when you read those books, you see the story of God working to redeem his people out of Egypt, we've talked about this with the Passover, out of Egypt, met at Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, gave them his will, the law, the Ten Commandments, and then eventually at the edge of the promised land, Deuteronomy records Moses' given his speech. We're about to go into the promised land. Let me tell you what God's will is for your life when you live in the promised land. And all of those instructions are laid out there. You'll see instructions about prophets, priests, and kings. How you should live as God's people. Don't forget God. Remember God. You're going to face this. It was God saying, here are my instructions before you go into the promised land. Here's my word. Read it. And here's the solution. The solution to your darkness. The solution to your discouragement. The solution to the division. The solution to the situation you're in is really, really simple. Two words, three words. Trust and what? Obey. Trust and obey. The solution to your situation that you find yourself in and feeling like there's no hope, the way out is trust and obey. We're going to trust and obey our way through the darkness. Now, how do you know this? How do, where do I get this from? Well, when you're reading your Bible, these history books that we're, we're in, Samuel, King, Samuel, Chronicles, these are all books that are called Deuteronomic history. And what that is, is they are teaching the same point of Deuteronomy, which is summarized, John Salhammer properly says that the phrase trust and obey is a concise summary of the first five books of your bible which deuteronomy summarizes the first five books of your bible when you go to genesis and you see in the in the creation account what's the main idea of adam and eve not eating that fruit that fruit of the tree is called the fruit of the knowledge of so god is telling them not to eat the fruit not because fruit's bad right the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, the don't go outside of God's knowledge of good and evil. Trust that God knows good and evil for you and obey God's expressed explanation of what is good and evil for your life. Deuteronomy, same message. He's got them on the edge of the promised land and he's about to lead them in. And he says, before we go, Remember everything God has said and he reads to them the scriptures and he says, this is what God has said to us, we must not forget it. And he's telling them the priority is God's word as you live in the land. Listen to what he says in Deuteronomy 18 verse 14. This is Moses speaking to the people just about to enter into the promised land. Deuteronomy 18:14, he says, Now for those nations which you're about to dispossess from the land when you go in, They listen to fortune tellers. They listen to diviners. They listen to all kinds of sources of wisdom that aren't gods. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, like Moses, from among you, from your brothers. Talking about Samuel ultimately talking about jesus but samuel god will raise up samuel from among you he's a prophet from among your brothers and it is to him that you shall listen so god gives them careful instructions and says don't go to diviners don't do what the world's doing don't go to outside sources of wisdom as you try to figure out what you're supposed to do in your life there's one simple command read your bible Go to the Bible. That's the way out. Then he says, now you're the one that asked for this. He says, remember... Verse 16, when we went to Mount Horeb and got the Ten Commandments, that's what he's talking about. He says, just as you desired the Lord your God at Horeb and Mount Sinai on the day that the assembly was there, and when you said, let me not hear the voice of the Lord again, I can't handle this because it's fire and all this is going on. I'm scared I'm going to die. Verse 17, and the Lord said to me, that's a good idea. I'll let them. I'll let them have this. He says, verse 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you. Like Moses. From among their brothers. You asked for a spokesperson. I granted you this request. I sent the prophets and you aren't listening. And he says about the prophets, I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. It's like if he was talking to you today, he would say, I have put my words. In this book, which recorded all the words that I put in the prophet's mouth, and whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I, God says, myself will require it of you. This is what God requires of you. This is the measuring stick. It's the measuring stick of the characters in 1 and 2 Samuel. As we're reading, the way that the Bible, the way that Samuel gets the message of Deuteronomy in the first five books across is a different way. Instead of giving you something like law that Moses gave Israel as he was giving them particular laws, instead of doing like Paul does and writes a logical argument, he does it through, let me tell you about two characters. Let me tell you about Eli. And let me tell you about Samuel. Now, which one do you want to be like? Well, how do I know? Well, which one is obeying what is said in Deuteronomy? Which one listened to the prophet? King Saul, King David, which one listened and trusted and obeyed? The word of God. The word of God is the measure and stick for the prophets. The word of God is the measure and stick for all leadership. The word of God is a measure and stick for your life, how you run your business, how you treat your customers, your clients, your patients. The word of God is what God says I require of you. In fact, he says it's so important, I want you to be intentional. You know, I I forget who it was that, you know, uh, post-it notes were invented by accident. The little glue that's on the back of a post-it note was an accidental invention because it wasn't sticky enough glue and they ended up using it and said, oh, this actually kind of works. We can kind of put it on and off, and it works. Well, God invented it way back here in Moses. We got it in Deuteronomy. I mean, Numbers 15, 39. Reminders, he says, put these tassels in verse 39. He says, and it shall be that these tassels that you wear, I want you to wear these tassels, and I want you to look at these tassels, and every time you see these tassels, I want you to remember the commandments of the Lord. See, these are sticky notes all over the mirror. These are Bible verses that you put on sticky. I need some laughter here. That was funny. <laughs> the delivery was a little off, but you get me. All right. So the tassels were there to remind them of what? The, everything God said in his word. Don't forget, I said these things. Do not follow after your own heart. Oh, that is what our culture says. Just do what your heart says. No, don't do what your heart says. Do what God's heart says. And every now and then, your heart might be aligned with his heart. But let's make sure that we're doing what he says. Don't follow after your own heart or your own eyes, your own discernment, what you are inclined to go after, to whore after. He says, don't do that. Sounds like the Garden of Eden. I know that that looks desirable to you, but it shouldn't. You need to not go after those things. And... These tassels are going to help you remember and do all that my commandments are and be wholly set apart to your God. For I'm the Lord your God, he says. I'm the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I saved you. I am the Lord your God. Do what I say. Not what the world says. Is it what he's saying? Very simply, trust and obey God's word. Amen. So what are we looking for? We're looking for leaders of the church, leaders of our country. We're looking for leaders of our families to be men and women, boys and girls, students, who after God's own heart. That's what God's asking of us. That's what God requires of us. That's what God expects of us, is to be after his heart. And that's why we've titled this series, After His Heart. And these words come from this book. And the turning point in Samuel is found in 1 Samuel 13, verses 13 through 14. And let me just paint the scene for you, because it's actually the first time I read it. I remember years ago, I was just reading through the Bible, and I was reading through this text. And I was like, you clearly... I'll tell you the spoiler alert, Saul messes up and, and, the, and Samuel comes to him and says, you messed up. And I'm like, what did he do wrong? How can you blame him? Here's the scene. He's stressed out. There's enemies coming and he's got pressure, but he knows God told him, wait and wait on the word of God, the prophet, and do not do anything until the prophet comes. You have one job as my leader. Listen to the word of God. But they're coming down, the enemy's right there, and I don't see Samuel. I've got to make a decision, very pragmatic. I've got to make a decision. I've got all these reasons to tell you why I'm not going to wait on God, and he doesn't. He acts, and then Samuel shows up, and it's right after he makes that crucial decision. And it says, you have, Samuel's word to Saul, you have done foolishly. Why? Because you have not kept the command of the Lord your God. What command? To listen to the word of the prophet that God sends you. With which he commanded you. For then if you, had, if you had just trusted and obeyed the word of God. For then the Lord of God would have established Saul your kingdom over Israel forever. You would have been the promised king. You would have been the Messiah. You'd have been the one if you just would trust and obey God, but now your kingdom shall not continue. It's over for you. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Referring to King David. The Lord has someone else. Saul, the people chose you based on outward appearance, appearance, but God says, I've got my man next. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So, the lesson in Saul's life is tragic. He is not a man after God's own heart. And that captures the heart of the book. Are you a person after God's own heart? Kids, let me ask you something. When when you get scared, or you have a big decision, or something's going on in your life, and you're not sure what to do, where's the first place you turn? great answer Jesus but who's who who has skin on that probably helps you understand Jesus your parents parents God is your heavenly father and he says listen there's a lot of times that you think you know what's right and I'm telling you it's not I want you to seek after my heart And that's revealed through the word of God. It takes some skill to understand how to study the word of God, but you can do this and we're here to help you. But we have to understand the message of Samuel is God wants people that are all about him and knowing him through his word. And our prayer is that through this study, we'll recommit our lives to this simple solution that we will trust and obey the Lord that, that's, that we will trust and obey the Lord out of our darkness. That, that's called repentance. If we will just trust and obey the Lord out of the, the disillusion, the disappointment, the despair. That we will just simply trust and obey what the Lord has said. We're, we're a church that's looking for elders right now. That is the requirement. Is that they have a heart after God, uh, that they are a man after God's own heart, that they know what his word says and they, they wanna know it better and they wanna live it and they wanna model it and they wanna lead the church to do the same, to simply trust and obey the word of God. Men, I did marriage counseling this, this weekend, pre-marriage counseling, preparing a couple for, for marriage and it, it's, it's the same story whether it's before marriage, during marriage, or after marriage, is the word of God. Trusting and obeying the word of God is what our marriages need. Families, it's what, it's what our kids need to learn to trust and obey the word of God. It's what our city, our community, our country needs. simply the solution to our situation is to simply trust and obey the word of God. And as we read the the Samuel, we'll see that David was an awesome king. But as as we learn, he's not perfect by any means. And he did great things. But let me tell you this. the, the, The point of David and Goliath, I'm going to give you a little advance notice. The point of David and Goliath is not going to be what a hero David is. Right? It's not, hey, you want to slay the giants in your life? Let me give you five steps. Just choose the right stones. It's not what it is. The point is what we were seeing this morning is that he was a man who said, who sang with his heart that I fight my battles on my knees. I fight, this is God's war and I need a savior. And that's the final point is that we have the same situation and the same solution and the same need of a savior you see david wasn't perfect and no matter how good a leader you choose as your next two elders of this church we are not going to be perfect and this church will never be the the paradise that that we long for but there is the ultimate prophet there is the ultimate priest and there is the ultimate king, and his name is Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't just speak the words of God, he embodied the very words of God. He is God's message to us. He's the ultimate perfect reflection of all that God is because he's God in flesh. He is the prophet, the word of God. And not only was he a prophet, but he was the priest. Of God. He's the ultimate priest, the perfect priest. They went in once a year and sacrificed an unblemished lamb on the altar, and they had to repeat that sacrifice year after year to atone for the sins that we keep on committing. And because we know it did not satisfy the wrath that was due our sin until Jesus came. And Jesus is the high priest who gave not an animal but himself as the unblemished lamb of God. He died on the cross for your sins and for mine to make peace with God, to reconcile us with God. He doesn't dwell in a tabernacle that King David had built. He is the very dwelling of God in himself. And he enables us to tabernacle with God when we put our hope and trust in him as Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And he is the one that after he died, he rose from the grave and then he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And what did he do? He sat down on his throne because he's the king. He's the only one that can bring the peace. He's the promised Messiah that God promised Abraham. And, king, and Samuel gives us just a glimpse And David gives us just a glimpse, but Jesus is the ultimate son of David. In 2 Samuel 7, the covenant was made with David that one of your descendants will come and he will reign and rule and he will unite my people and they will live according to my word and they will do it to my glory and they will fill my earth with all my glory. And that's what we're a part of right now, if you're in Christ. And when David heard those words that God promised him, a descendant will be the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he was overwhelmed with praise. At this time, I invite you to just join me in the spirit of prayer and just close your eyes and listen as I pray the words of David for us and we praise God for Jesus our savior our king our prophet our priest and with David we say who are we o lord god and what is our house that you have brought us thus far and yet this was a small thing in your eyes o lord god You have spoken about Jesus for a great while to come. And this is instruction for all of mankind, O Lord God. And what more can we say to you? For you know us, O Lord God. But because of your promises concerning Jesus and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make us your people. And therefore, God, you are great, O Lord, for there is none like you and there is no God besides you. And according to all that you have heard, all that we have heard with our ears and who is like your people, the people who you made on earth, the people that you went in to redeem and to become your people. Lord, you have made for yourself a name and you're doing great and awesome things among us, driving out our enemies, redeeming us from bondage. And through Jesus, you have established for yourself, your people. And we will be your people forever. And through Jesus, you, O oh Lord, are our God. And so we praise you. Hear the praise of your people as we sing.